Hello everyone, GMGM. GM. Welcome to the Soulfade Podcast, where we have conversations with builders and founders in the Solana ecosystem. Welcome to the episode. This was a great one. We had Nick, one of the co-founders of Solana FM, fellow Nick member, Nick Dow member. It was a great episode. He uh, He's actually, I think, my new favorite character in the Solana ecosystem. Yeah, so he's awesome. There's that. Like, this is this, this is my favorite, my first time ever talking to him like in person or like virtually, I guess. And he's a, he's a full character, like very passionate and like, it was super cool. Like if you don't already know Solana FM, they're, they're a block explorer, right? You know, it's, it's block explorer, pretty standard, but like they've got some really cool good stuff one, coming. <laughs> a really good one. Like the, the and, UI. And, and, like and they've how got they, some new stuff. Yeah. 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 It they're, was, it was pretty sick. And you know, we actually, we got a history lesson on Singapore at the start that yeah, was that's pretty true. dope that's true that was um, awesome. got a ton of background on nick which was which was sweet uh i i had a blast in fact like he i think he should be a regular on the show we just we just bring him on for like that. random topics here and there yeah it was great he he not only shared like his history of being becoming a developer getting into solana and like the how solana fm was started as a basically an indexer and then they started displaying data but he also gave some alpha of the new version of solana fm and some of the some of the stuff we've got screen shares we of the even new version. got the screen, we got share. screen shares this is gonna be great yeah it was, but, uh, it's it's pretty dope yeah, there's so you much should absolutely so listen all right let's uh let's just dive right in we've given the teaser Nothing in this podcast is or should be considered financial advice. Any opinions and thoughts expressed are solely those of the individual. They do not represent the opinions of any entity. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, are you you uh, in Singapore, Nicholas? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. The entire team is based in Singapore as well. Actually, most of us are Singaporeans. So um, if we're not, we're probably from Malaysia or something like that. So so it's just around the corner, just Southeast Asia um, generally. So have you guys been there? I, I've never been, Sadly, but it is no. I really on my to, bucket though. list. Yeah. I feel like Singapore is this like small little powerhouse in the world. How like how did that mm-hmm. happen? Singapore is everywhere. I feel like. <sighs> um, I think a very weird okay. analogy to put it because uh, it's pretty hard to get everyone to relate internally in a six million population city when you have like six billion people in the world. So it's like. 0.06% or 0.6%, I guess. Yeah, so, um, wait, 0.1%, sorry. Um, so, so, yeah, I think to put things into perspective, I would say it's kind of like Solana in like the very early days. And, oh boy, this, I'm, I'm going to get fired, like mad at this. Like, <laughs> I, I'm feeling it, man. So, so, so it's like, you know, back in the days when Solana was like barely a year old in mainnet, Foundation was just pushing a lot of grants, um, getting the entire ecosystem to get a couple of things up, like infrastructure tooling, you got DeFi, you got NFTs, you got many various other types of uh, categories of projects. So so same problem with Singapore as well. So I think at that point in time, the military was just completely filled by the British and the British were about to leave. So yeah, the government decided to start mandatory military conscription and then you got things like i think because we are a very small nation you don't generally have love you you actually don't have any natural resources so the the huge focus was put just into trade because you know the country is positioned in a very well um a very well put position for um, seafare trading 
So, so I guess that, that was that was how things worked. The government kind of focused on, oh, okay, look, we're positioned in a very nice geographical location for trade. Let's just do trade. And I think that was just the rest is just history. I think um, a lot of people worship him. I I don't necessarily worship him, but I respect him a lot. He's the founding prime minister, so yeah, he he really did a lot of stuff. Like I I I can't say much. Um, I I think thanks thanks to him, I I have the education I have today. So yeah, that's yeah. That's, I think I think that's how Singapore came about. That's actually pretty cool. We got we got a fun little history, a sweet lesson, history here. lesson there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, it it really felt like Solana in the early days because a lot of things needed some kickstarting and. Yeah, the government just funded everything they can do in in their best uh, abilities. Of course, not not in a you know biased way. Like they try to they try their best to be as just as possible as as you know. Like for us, like I'm not sure if it's externally viewed the same way, but yeah, it's it's multiracial. So yeah, we we try we try our best to be very fair. Nice. So what's uh? T- I mean, tell us about yourself, like. You know what's uh, what's your background pre Solana days? How how do we how do we get into in, into yeah, Solana? Let's get the full story. I mean, we'll, yeah, it's like we already started with a history lesson, so let's continue the history talking about talking about you, Solana FM, how it all came came about. So it's so, so it's actually a very huge ass story, long ass story. So I I was I was actually exposed to the crypto back in 2014, 2015. It's been almost ten years. So the exposure was just thanks to conventions. Um, there were IT shows in Singapore every couple of months. So you would have like deals. I, I would say it's more similar to like, um, holy crap. You, you know, you got Best Buy. Oh, Micro Center, right? Yeah. So 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 yeah. we don't have Micro Center in Singapore, but we do have like seasonal events like every quarter. Uh, that, res- that, that replicates the prices that Micro Center can provide. So... So so that's where I heard about Bitcoin and I was like, oh wow, what's what's this what's this nonsense? Like is it some scam thing or, or or something? Yeah, so I I immediately got on board it and and the first thing I found out about it was oh it's just magic internet money. I think I think this is a very common boring story that every single <laughs> oldest guy in crypto would always share about. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spare the listeners some boredom uh, away from here and, and just focus on what my journey where my journey really started as a builder so i would say that's about 2017 2018 when i think i got out of microsoft i was just there touching base on dotnet core not sure if you guys heard of dotnet i i, I would assume you guys did and mm-hmm. dotnet is like a close is a close source uh, framework that's maintained by microsoft and i'm not sure why they probably woke up on the wrong side of the bed and they were like saying you know what let's just rebuild the entire dotnet framework from scratch and just build an open source one so dotnet core no 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 asp net core 1.0 was released in 2016 somewhere there so i was like one of the first few devs building um tools and, and stuff there so so that was how i started my my developer career and then Subsequently, I think about six to six to like ten months, I decided maybe maybe huge like big tech firms are kind of not my thing. So I was just looking around, just attending crypto events. It's, it's actually crazy because 
while the entire like journey of like going to big tech firms was was going on and about i was always with a close knit of like friends like like nerds we were like always playing like hey nick do you know like uh, z coin uh, have you heard of monero do you know that you can mine with your machine you can mine like five monero a day you can mine like five monero a month something like that <laughs> that was un- that's unheard of today right but but back in those days it's so easy like you could just mine some random coin and just pray hail mary in two years and you probably could make a make like five figures so so that's what we did so we always tinker around things and um so i was like you know yeah let's just try attending some events like ethereum singapore and a couple of other basically close-knit crypto communities and then yeah, I found a job there. I met a couple of great people. I met most of the co-founders that I established today. So you have CoinGecko, you have CoinHako, you have Etherscan. So CoinHako is a coin base in Singapore. Uh, in Singapore, it's it's primarily covering Southeast Asia, and then you also have actually many more. So I also met the Coin Market Cap co-founders and a couple of others uh, in Southeast Asia and Asia as well. So yeah, it's just it's just a very bright old day and. Um, I think fast forward like a couple of months later, like three or four months, I started interning at CoinHako. So, so it was, it was, yeah, it was, I was just really lucky. I lucked out and got a chance to work there. So I worked there for about a year plus before I conscripted to the, to national service because it's compulsory national service for every able-bodied man for two years. And then, um, yeah, while I was still serving, I was still working as well in the space. And uh, while I was working in the space, I think in 2019, Binance came about. Binance got really popular, and uh, there was a there was something called Binance Fair in Singapore. So, so prior to Binance heading to Dubai, yeah, I I was just attending every single huge event I, I had there, and you know, like they were partnering with one biggest company. Oh. Little Alameda research over there. <laughs> so, so, so this he brought, I got this. In. He brought props. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I what, didn't what, 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 what is what is that? Oh, it's just a travel adapter. And cu- oh, okay, like, it's it's just plain coincidence. Like I was just clearing up my desk. Just, I'm just, I'm just like, saying for the for the listeners, he he held up a travel adapter at the screen, but it has a name on it. It says Alameda Research. So for those yeah. listening or aren't watching the video, that's that's what he held up it's 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 crazy so so back in those days i guess you guys would have would have heard like you'd get like random ass merch you get like travel adapters you get i, I, I mean you still get it today but um you, you get it much easier <laughs> last time so so it's just crap ton of other types of uh, uh merch so so yeah so so that was my entire journey in crypto like just being as being a software engineer just uh, hopping around just focus on like centralized exchanges and brokerages and then maybe exploring a bit of like peer-to-peer exchanges here and there for like uh, six to six months to about a year. And then, yeah, I, I completely just um, shadowed away for a while and then looked around several chains and I was like, you know what? Um, I think it's pretty interesting to write smart contracts. You know, I should give it a shot. And then I, I helped myself away. And this is something that I really hope the listeners do take this very seriously, which is, Back when I was considering building smart contracts, writing smart contracts, I was 23 years old. And I thought to myself, I've been in a software engineer in, in my entire career. Like for that point in time, it's not long, right? But I was like, you know what? It just didn't make sense building a DeFi protocol. It just didn't make sense building a lending protocol. Like you're just a kid. Would, 
think about it like would the banking sector trust and trust all of their money to you like it just wouldn't make sense so so in my head i was like you know what it made complete sense not to touch it maybe try understanding data how 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 data moves and and transports uh across you know notes how notes sync up and holy shit how the how do these notes communicate with each other it's pretty interesting so yeah that's that's how generally my journey was Nice. Yeah. So at what that. point did Solana play into this? Great. Um, I was actually waiting for the question before I hopped on. Uh, yeah, so sorry <laughs> for being so long-winded. Um, but but yeah, I'm I'm still I would say I cut I cut a lot of my 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 sharings already, but yeah, I I get very long-winded sometimes. So anyway, um so so how it got about was I got in got into college about two years ago, so I I'm actually 26 this year. I'm 24 when I started college. So I admitted into Singapore Management University and I, I'm actually majoring in information systems. So back in those days, I think um, the community is still just trying to pick things up back together again because COVID just ended and everybody went back to school. So I met a couple of like um, people there, like like nice, bright, young, talented people and one of them was my co-founder his name is Fatu and I also have another co-founder he's he's my CTO he's Bing Bing is a funny chap because I've met him seven years ago and we've been working on hackathons and micro projects ever since just doing mentoring and stuff like that so so that's probably the story of how the co-founders met and what we had in mind was that in a funny little summer break, our very first summer break, I remember this very clearly. So after our first, uh, was it was it after freshman? Yeah, it was after freshman. So after freshman, we decided, hey guys, it's April. We have about four months. School would begin again in August. So what are we going to do here? Are we going to travel or are we going to work on something stupid? So I was just saying, guys, hold up. There's this craziest Solana hackathon. Should we just try it out? And they were like saying, yeah, why not? We've got nothing to lose, right? So we went there and we started and we just sat there in school. So we, we would go to school every morning and we would, and we'd go to school at like 9 a.m. because all facilities in school are just open and free for us to use, even during holidays. So we said, okay, we'll come to school at 8 and we'll knock off at like 10, 10 p.m. And let's just decide on an idea. And we took like a week to find out an idea and we couldn't find anything out. So I was like, you know what, guys, let's stop. Let's just do whatever would the Solana guys want. So we looked at the... Was, was there like an Excel sheet back then? Holy crap. Probably, yeah, there was, yeah. There's, yeah, there was an Excel sheet maintained by the foundation and they said, we need an, an indexer. So we're like, oh, that sounds so cool. What's an indexer? So, so we went to build it and yeah, everything's history. So that's how it started. And by the way, so I think it was called the Solana Season Hackathon. I think, I think it's the second hackathon hosted by the foundation. I love, I love that. I feel, I, feel like, uh, I feel like so many of the conversations we have on this podcast like someone's Solana journey or the start of their company started with a Solana hackathon. Oh yeah. For like, sure. like there it's, it's, it's such a huge catalyst for things. I love that. I love that you also just like looked at what they were asking for. They just had like a list of like, we need people to build this and you built it. So 
so so Solana FM Pro started tip, people out building as, things. If you build off a list, like it's, you know, those are things that people want to see. I'm just saying. I mean, it, yeah, no, it's it's like, it's like there's a that, list for a reason. Li- does that list exist today? You're just like, oh yeah, like, it exists for every these? every hackathon publishes mm-hmm. a list of of here's ideas of things. I think the the official quote unquote list for for Hyperdrive was basically the super team build site of build.superteam.fun. So there's nice. a whole bunch of people that have just like collated a bunch of ideas there. But yeah, exactly. list. So, um, so, so this is like early Solana hackathon days, and you guys built an indexer. How yep. did it like? How how did it go? It, it's like what you've given us so far is that you guys were working your tail off all summer, eight a.m. to ten p.m. daily, uh, and that you you built an indexer. So, like when it came to submit the indexer, uh, you know, like submit the project. What what was the result? What did you get from that? what sort of made you continue to work on it? How did it evolve into an explorer? So I think the, um, let's just start by the team. I think the, the focus that I think all founders should have is to never focus on the negatives, to always focus on the positives. So we first looked at the entire drawing board, which is we have four team members. We have a fourth team member, but uh, he was just joining us for this hackathon. So, okay, look, we have two guys. Two guys are non-technical and two guys are technical, but the two technic- non-technical guys want to be technical. So let's just leave them to deal with a lot of ad hoc like taskings. They will help them pick up the pace and see how things goes from the technical side. So, so that's what we arranged. And then for me, um, we know very well, Bing and I know very well that we are the, we are the two guys who deliver the, the technical product quickly. So we know, okay, an indexer. An indexer's job is to listen to the chain and to parse and simplify these transactional data sets and push them into an off-chain store. So we made it very simple. We had, by the way, by the way, we have never been data engineers before, so we just figured it out. Okay, you know what? Let's just use Postgres. Postgres is great. So we just started doing that. We got Postgres up. We got we, we wrote the index in Rust, so we picked up Rust in about 10 days. And then we... What else did we do? Oh, we also build a front end. So the front end is just a simple GraphQL interface that allows you to query the database via a GraphQL endpoint. That's it. So Bing built the the, the Apollo the, the GraphQL site, Apollo Graph Apollo QL, and then I built the indexer site. So what we did what we did take away from this entire hackathon was Yeah, we know what what's um What's the deal with Solana, man? So we started the Nexer, like, uh, I think on the fourth day, and then we started ingesting the data, and then we were like, why is our comp crashing? And we figured, we figured out that Solana has, ex- has extremely high throughputs, like really high throughputs, and we underestimated it. So back then, I think uh, in 2021, were they, were they Apple Silicon yet? No, I think it was just Intel Max. So. I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was just Intel. Right. So, yeah, Intel Max sucked real bad and the next thing. So, um, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't even emphasize that enough. So, so yeah. So, yeah, we, we, did, we did take away a lot. Like, we, we learned that, like, ingesting and writing ETL pipelines for high-throughput chains is going to be a huge-ass undertaking. So, we have to be very careful. And what drove us to build moving forward was firstly we won the 
the network price. It's a categorical price, by the way. So it's 10 grand. And back then, when we participated in other hackathons, Bing and I, like for the past couple of years, the prices were like a couple of hundred bucks. We were like, holy shit, we won a 10K prize. That's crazy. So we were, we were thinking like, maybe we should talk to the foundation. Maybe we can like, you know, figure things out and see how we can bring this further. And funny to say this, Colleen, who's still in the Solana Foundation, and Tom, who has left the foundation, both of them came to us and said, before us heading to them, are you guys interested in building this forward? And we're like, yeah, we're down for that. And we, we're so we're so we're so grateful because we got noticed by the foundation guys. So so that's exactly like uh, how the motivation came about. And another motivation that came about was just the people. People really do matter a lot. And for us, like all of us, were really young. And we, we we really do have nothing to lose until today. So we're thinking, you know what? Let's just let's just build this further and, and see how things go. So so yeah, that's how things materialized. That's that's awesome. At that point, was Foundation trying to encourage you to build the Explorer, or was it mainly focused on the indexing? Because, like like you said, there's there's so much data to process on the Solana blockchain. Like trying to ingest that data, that's a different technical feat than I think also being able to get data from some other source, whether it's you know something you guys maintain yourselves or, or someone else maintains, and then actually displaying that in like like a usable good friendly explorable way like is that is that the point where you kind of pivoted from the primarily like indexer based to explorer based uh based like direction so actually the answer is pretty simple which is experience bing and i are the only ones who have experience on the engineering side like externally before prior to this project so it made a lot of sense that we shouldn't build something like that so you know you have GraphQL and then you have indexing infrastructure. If you want to scale this outbound, you gotta be exactly like Dune. You gotta be exactly like Flipside. And back then, I think Flipside did not exist yet in Solana. So I think we were probably the first guys in the space to build a GraphQL tool. What made us pull the trigger to build the GraphQL site is just solely based on the foundation's needs. We we heard we we there's there's a voice we heard the, we heard from the foundation that there's a need for that we built that out we tested the we tested the product outbound towards the ecosystem and the response wasn't really positive so it's more of like you know users would come back in try querying and get the data for free so we were very proud we we actually got really excited when like a shit ton of like users said hey Nick can we like just use your your APIs and then just serve it as our our yeah our data source. We could just tag and and hotlink you guys back to to your site, and be like, sure, holy shit, this is a great order, it's a great pleasure. And then things on things went on for like that for like five six months, and we decided like, oh wait, this is like unsustainable. Like um, we're gonna get grant like we got a grant from from the foundation and. You know, it's 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 not a big grunt, but it's, it's, it's a grunt enough for us to keep operating for a couple of months. And we figured that it's it's not going to end up uh, well because we didn't find a way to monetize it. So we decided, I think we need to take a step back, look into things in a greater detail and clarity and figure out that maybe it's just not the right time. So we figured, you know what, it's more feasible for us to build a, a tool that's extremely actionable, extremely relatable, and has already been there, battle tested in the ecosystem for the past 10 years. So that's why we made a shift to Explorers. 
What is, um, I mean, generally speaking, what is the business model of an Yeah, I was going to ask that exact question. <laughs> Oh boy, it's actually extremely boring. So, so the business model of Explorers is actually plain simple. You you have ads that generally cover and generate a lot of revenue, and which is not the case for Solana FM right now. Um, for now, and then you also have API tooling at the back. So, so let's say Nick, you're you're interested in maybe getting some APIs that the the expo is capable of producing. You know, like viewing all historical transactions, viewing all historical transfers, viewing a or deconstructing um, accounts or a specific transaction into a much more human-readable format, right? So we do serve those APIs. And if you are kind of interested in those kind of APIs, then we serve them as a turnkey solution for you. So, so those are the two streams of revenue for now for uh, explorers in general. That includes EtherScan, SoulScan, and probably us for now. But yeah, we're looking to change that. Okay. Can you, yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of what I assume it was going to be. What, can you talk about the looking to change that at all? Or is that <laughs> what's like coming a in the pipeline? TBD. Right? Holy crap. Okay, that's an extremely good question. Very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I might get shot at this, but I'm just going to say this. I don't know yet. So, oh, right. That sucks, right? So, so I know very clearly <laughs> that the existing business model is something that we wouldn't want to do. It's, it's boring. It works. It's probably something we may have to do soon. It's probably something that we might have to do all the way but we'll try our best to stay away from it if we can. The reason why we want to do this stay is... Stay away from it, you mean like stay away from ads? Stay or? away from, yes, from ads. I think for okay. tooling, I think it's fine because tooling is always essential, right? It's it's never mm -hmm. bad to share and and distribute tooling towards other ecosystem users. But I think so, for So just to be super clear, you're basically saying we're fine... Mm -hmm. Um, we're fine continuing to monetize the tooling that we've built. We would rather not monetize through ads. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm hearing. So, okay. so the plain simple reason is because noise. I think we can do that, but is it worth the pain for the users right now? Like is, is, is the Explorer introducing enough user pain poison solutions for now? My answer to myself would be no. So... Until then, I wouldn't turn on the ads. So, so that's that's the reason why. And um, I think another thing that's really missing in the Explorer space is over the past half a decade or more, the business model is actually boring, right, guys? Like, the UI is also very boring. And I think it's time for a change. And that's why for us, we pulled the trigger to, to head down there. It's, it's actually pretty weird. Like, why would a data exploration tool turn into, like, a, an Explorer, like, Aren't they the same but different? So, so, so explorers are extremely micro, and data analytics tools are kind of macro because you get to query against the entire data set. But for explorers, it's just you grab an account, grab a transaction, grab a block, grab a validator, and then that's it. So, I think for us, it's more of like going down towards the building blocks and just focusing on what matters now. So yeah, that's 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 root that's that's actually the root of like like our passion. Oh, are that's you, what you're thinking. Well yeah, well I'm, I guess I'm trying to understand. Like are you are you saying that you wanna move away from the micro 
to more broad analytics or I, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to understand that last statement. Oh, uh, no, definitely not. So, so we will stay where we are. So big data set tools like Flipside, Dune, Nansen, they can stay where they are. But what we want to do is we want to focus on finding synergy and harmony between micro and macro tools in the data side. So I think maybe maybe the thing about things a bit further or uh, deeper down in the line would be, let's take a look. A transaction is just an encoded data set, right? Like it's not a data set, it's a datum. So that's that's easy for us because our focus is actually pretty simple. How can we bring encoded data into a human or developer-readable format? Then for the big data side, the problem is how do we make the entire data set more nourished? How do we make it more queryable? How do we extract more alpha out of it? That, that will be a huge problem for, for those uh, guys. But, but you still have the bottom line problem, which is I'm storing a huge data set of transactions and all these transactions are encoded. How can I decode them without modifying the entire existing data set that's encoded? Very simple. You have us. So, so I think for us, it's more finding synergies like that and then work things out that way. So, so that's, that's why I pointed that out. Got it. So Got you're it. basically trying to take like the existing data set that you have that is effectively like the history of the Solana blockchain and you're trying to figure out more cohesive and usable ways to actually get actionable and like useful information out of it. Aside from here's a transaction, a list of accounts, some some like effectively random raw data, but like making it so it's more consumable where you can have like in aggregate all this data together, you get actual usable information out of it in aggregate. That's like the gist. I think I think the best the best two products in in retail or in non crypto life would definitely be Google and Google Translate. So Google search, pretty much simply put, the search bar in our explorer, and then you have Translate, which practically allows us to showcase like, okay, we can translate transactions yeah, okay. and we can translate accounts. I, I think maybe James, not sure, man. It's it's as as I explain things further, it's going to get even more boring because. Everything is just getting getting the sticks and shovels out for everyone. Like, okay, like I need to get I need to get as much transactions possible as possible through our parses. So that's that's our goal. And then another goal would be how can we make sure that we can historically traverse back in time? Like, how can I find out like okay, Nick's account? It's like it has like maybe this data back in twenty twenty two, right? What about his his the data changes now. Like, can, can I have a historical timeline of how the data is changing inside Nick's account? That would be pretty cool. So I think for us, it's more of, it's more of a focus on these cool. things. Right? Um, that's actually yeah. alpha. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I'm not, I'm not sure about why, why I'm like that, but um, boring things like that really do fascinate, uh, fascinate my, my mind. Like, yeah, like I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about like infra is it's very boring, but it's needed for anyone else to build useful things on top of like you need you need infra, you need data to build like a good application. And then you need like the whole like good user experience UI side of it. But you need you need the back end infra to actually be able to provide information in a usable format to your users and like being able to act get like good data out of 
good aggregate data information out of a large data set is like it's it's a timeless problem that will never go away no matter what your data source is exactly well well this is this is super interesting because i think i think there are a lot of people there are a lot of crypto users who maybe you know who maybe aren't devs who don't understand like they look at an explorer and they probably don't understand everything that goes into it they probably don't understand the level the amount of infrastructure that you mm-hmm. and your team have had to build in order to make this website work. They take for granted that it's just a website <clears throat> when in reality it's it's just like so it's much foundation. A ton of info that, behind it. Right? Um, so that, that brings me to a question, which is like, is all of your infra in-house? Have you built like how much of yeah? Of what's your the infrastructure tech stack have of Slana.fm? You know, like how does how does it work versus what are you you know using external stuff? So so it's actually pretty sad to say this, but I'm actually very excited to say this as well, which is the existing Solana.fm Explorer. It's like ninety percent open source Explorer, and then like ten percent APIs. That's completely gonna get get. Yeah, it's it's been demolished basically. So so what's what's changing today is we we now have sixty percent of the entire explorer powered by our APIs and then forty percent powered by RPC. So oh my god, I can't wait to show that. So so the returns that you get from that is like um, it's extra, every by the way everything is almost in house. The only thing that's not in house is usually like just RPC infrastructure. We we do we do have a couple of in house bare metal RPCs that we self host, but that's probably it. So yeah, that's 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 yeah, that's basically it. I, I can go down deeper into like exact details on what the APIs do, but maybe there's a follow up later on. <laughs> what um, I'm 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 curious like why. Uh, why do you even have an RPC if if it's a small portion? Is it just because you wanted to experiment with spinning up an RPC, a couple bare metal RPCs, or or did you were you exploring being an RPC provider for for others? Like what like what's the what's the logic there? I guess. So so the logic there is actually just a couple of things. The first thing is that um, we want a fast way to listen to the gossip. We want a fast way to track validator stats. So right now, live on production, you don't have a validator page on FM, but it's going to come out soon. So so that's that's one feature that we have. Another thing that we want to do is we want to understand like, okay, so, so these are how validators work. We also have a testnet server, by the way, like a testnet validator. So, so the reason why we're running these things is because we we truly want to find out. Okay, so so this is an this is a set of ac- activation stake. Um, you need vote credits. Your vote credits would have have to be extremely consistent over a couple of uh, epochs, so that you can figure out how you can gain more stake and delegation from. Is it called stakeomatic? Yeah, probably it. So yeah, so stakeomatic. Yep. So so you you have all these tools that that's provided by the foundation. So it's just more of us um, just grinding things down and just, you know, physically trying to like experience it, understand how things work and then build on top of it. So, so that, that will be the reasons why we run our own bare metal validators, but just want to be very clear. It's not like 10, 20 machines, just two machines. 
Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so what, I mean, as a current users of Solana FM, what can they expect uh, over the next two to six months from Solana FM and its sort of progress and evolution? Oh my God, I, I, I'm so tempted to share my screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. <laughs> Yeah, I should do this. Yeah, do it. Yeah, come on, Nick. I think that's what could One go Nick wrong. One Nick to another. Like, come on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's go, let's go. Um, all right. So yeah, buddy. Oh, and we have screen share. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's nothing impressive. Um, but but yeah. So so we completely redesigned the entire dashboard. So you will no longer see coming soon when we go to production. So there'll be zero widgets that are coming soon. Okay. So the first thing is that, let's say you're a nerd. Um, I'll, I'll call myself a nerd. If We're all nerds if, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you do remember the first couple of hashes, like couple of characters of your, of your account hash, you can probably search it. So, so let's say mine's Nix9. So I, I can immediately find Nix9 without... Yeah, it's just fuzzy. It's, it's kind of like fuzzy file finding. So we have predictive, prescriptive, and suggestive search. So that's first thing. That's cool. Yep. And then, and then what's next is that for transactions, we have heard a couple of user complaints about, you know, I can't tell what the action of the transaction is. Can, can you do that for me? And then I said, sure. So, so what we do is from now on, you can, you can find out what the transaction is without actually viewing the transaction. That's pretty cool. So you're, yeah. super you're trying, you, uh, what, for, for, um, for listeners, he's sort of showing a chart of transactions here. And one of the columns says, uh, says trans like action basically. Uh, and it'll list what that transaction is doing. So this one, for example, says NFT D list. Um, so D listing an NFT, presumably you're, you're finding ways to categorize transactions, and surface what that transaction is actually doing, um, right? So there's one here that says soul transfer. That's great. How do you how do you do that for like complex transactions with multiple, maybe even unrelated instructions? So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue depending on manual parsing. But in time to come, this this parsing strategy would be completely abstracted. So so I think. What differentiates us from the rest is that we tend to focus less on parsing now. So let's say we have encoded transactions, right? We break it down to three things, native programs, Rust generated IDLs. So you, you can you can generate IDLs with, with your own Rust programs, right? You know, you have Kinobi, you have Shank, and then you also have anchor-based IDLs. So, so all of these can allow us to pass transactions on the fly. And um, that's actually not the focus. So the focus is actually on translation. We've been working on tabletizing the entire translation layer on our site. So what we want to do in eventually is we want to build enough of translation support, maybe like 50 programs, maybe 70, who knows, right? Support a big amount of transactions first with the translation layer and then push it over to a large language model. So the goal is to bring the entire thing 
towards AI and then get something going from there. So so that's yeah, that's that's the entire ball game. So you're okay, so this is cool. You're you're basically saying you'll you can hard code certain transactions and, and like their types and then use that in conjunction with like an LLM to to then start to generate uh, what you think the actions are. Is that something a user could then go back and correct? Uh, like it, like like say, hey, that wasn't exactly the right thing. Can I can I update this with what you it actually was? Make make corrections, suggestions to the LLM of here's what I think it should have been, just in case it was incorrect. That'd be cool. Feature request. That's that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy. So so <laughs> so so what we're worried about there is that if if training becomes unsupervised and it becomes decentralized, I think mm. it becomes very dangerous because after all the positioning of explorers actually seem to be very trivial, but we realized that it's actually the last source of truth. Not sure why, but if all of your data points fail, like let's say wallets fail to view your transactions for whatever reason, users would tend to depend on the explorer for them to validate said transaction. So, so I think for us, we probably would have to tone down a little bit on decentralizing control in generating data sets so maybe maybe eventually we'll do that but not not for the very short run that's fair maybe yeah maybe i think that's, i'll, I think I'll that's revise the feature request then the ability to flag a transaction to say <laughs> that it's like it, it was interpreted incorrectly and then like some manual interaction to go from there Oh my goodness! You're actually unlocking <laughs> so many holes, or you know, you know, goals. So, 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 so actually, prior to prior to Breakpoint this year, the 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 general focuses would be things that you didn't mention, right? Getting getting everything optimized, getting loading of transactions up to speed, getting parsing translation up to speed, getting traversals of transactions up to speed. You know, traveling back in, back in time is actually a pain in the ass in in explorers in Solana today. I might be able to say a couple of other chains as well, but let's not get there, right? So, so that's those are the things that we want to fix prior to Bitcoin. So, so prior the day before Bitcoin, you could expect us to be a usable explorer, an explorer that's sizably similar to an Etherscan, and is sizably useful, so that you know the naysayers would wouldn't probably say otherwise. So so I think that's that's the current goal. But moving forward, I think Nick, you, you really pointed out something great, which is um, to answer James as well, the goal for the explorer in the ultimate end is to turn it into a social tool. So in Google, we've seen things work where you search for results and the algorithm remembers you. It channels said algorithm to probably YouTube. So if you search for, let's say, watches, you're going to end up having a shit ton of ads with watches. If you're going to search for chocolates, you're probably going to have a shit ton of ads for chocolates. We're not going to do that, of course. But what we want to do is, we want to do it in such a way where we can decentralize the control in how data is going to be generated for each personal user. So, so let's say... James, in, in one fine day when accounts exist in Solana FM, you sign into your account, you lock in your account there. Every time you view or explore an account, you can tag or label the account. People who follow your account can then get the labels and tags you did. 
and probably be able to understand further about what the account is like how how user perception is uh, uh, regarding those accounts or how people perceive maybe a set of transactions so so that's 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 a goal like we we want to bring the social mechanisms you know from from things like you know you know right now it's like frenzy and what what else frentech i don't think that's the end um i also don't think that's gonna 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 kickstart like they're gonna moon all the way high i would say there's something greater at play we, we've got to build something that's very utilitarian something very useful something very important for day-to-day life and i think explorers position in a very good position to do that yeah i i completely agree i use explorers all the time uh <laughs> i in like every day i use an explorer probably more than i use my wallet because every time i use my wallet i end up looking at an explorer after after the fact, sending an Explorer link to to whoever I just sent something to, that kind of thing. But then I also look at the Explorer sometimes without interacting with the wallet. So mm-hmm. I, I might use an Explorer more than I use my wallet. Uh, that may not be true when we factor in like uh, using a wallet for developer-related things where I'm just like sending test transactions and stuff. Um, but for regular use, that I, I think that's probably accurate. But... Um, Anyway, Nicholas, this is this has been awesome. I I love that you just shared your screen and, and yeah, showed thank us a you so much for sharing coming. this. That's 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 super sick. I have more. Uh, there, you got. <laughs> we're, we're 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 running out of time, and, oh and you boy. got more to show. All right, do it. So this is a transaction. So transactions now, we completely shifted focus to retails. So. You're gonna see a header that's gonna be very easy. So, so I think I think it's right for me to do this, right, James? Like, it's it's good for me to narrate this because some podcast listeners would just listen; they wouldn't watch because uh, they're probably on a move. And it's good to narrate. Well, this so, this is the shameless plug. Like, if you're only listening, you gotta watch the video. <laughs> link in the description. Jump on the YouTube. Don't, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, don't forget, man. That's it's extremely uh, important to follow them. Sh- so, shameless plug complete. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 yeah. So so we, we've we've taken a lot of attention to detail. So so the detail that we have here is that we want to make it easy for retail users, but we also want to make it intuitive for their for developers. So, for example, when a transaction fails, we want to tell you what fails very quickly. So very quickly, you you'll be able to see exactly why the transaction has failed. Like slippage tolerance exceeded. For example, this jupe swap, and you can see how much is being swapped and you can see how much the tolerance was and um, we've also refined the entire transaction flow in a sense i love where... that flow chart that's amazing there's a there's a flow chart here that's like showing the entire classic of the transaction and what happened inside of it it's great so so this is still a work in progress we still don't have the best of what we want to do yet but in time in in the next in the next week or so we're going to see something greater here so this is this is probably the biggest change we've made, which is combining edges, you know, connections between nodes and making them more um, intuitive. Because if you have too many edges and too many connections, it's going to be too confusing to the user. So, yeah, that's that's another thing that we factored in. And of course, not forgetting devs, we've taken a huge focus on, you know, really getting instructions shown correctly getting them shown intuitively so that yeah devs wouldn't have to worry too much about reading and understanding instructions and 
Oh, by the way, we do cover events as well. Amazing. Oh, this, this is, is amazing. Yeah, jumping jumping into the um we're like we're looking at the list of instructions for a transaction now for those who aren't watching. And uh we're able to expand it and look at events that were sent in each instruction, it looks like. Which yeah. is awesome. That's wicked. So so that's that's this is for Jupe and Jupe is parsed. So so you can also see which instructions specifically failed. I really wish that we could show the error on the inner instruction site, though. I imagine if you could track the error down yeah, to the don't, CPI. Don't we all? Unfortunately, that's CPI mad. doesn't quite support that. <laughs> yeah, Frosty. that's mad. Fix, that's fix mad. It. Oh yeah, I'll add it to my to-do list. Yeah, you should. You should. You should. Um, Shameless plug. Runtime v two. Oh boy, <laughs> and and this 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 UI is still bugged, but. We, we're going to ship out the validator table and dashboard and we're going to showcase the Nakamoto coefficient of Solana against two other chains. And nice. then, yeah. Yeah, in general, it's just pretty general stuff for validator tooling and, and data sets. And uh, I think the most important thing for devs, I think you guys are devs yourself. So um, I, I think this is something that I'm very passionate about, which is the inspector. I think this this inspector is like I like I like to use this phrase. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing because it looks like the same, right? It doesn't look any different from the open source explorer, but if you were to like paste a base 64 oh, why is it telling me it's okay, so if you do paste a base 64 string and if it parses the message you would actually be able to deconstruct, uh, de decode anchor-based programs and any program that has IDL supported. So, so that's what we've been doing or working on so far for awesome. dev tooling. Of course, it's uh, not rendering yet. I don't know why, but probably a bug. <laughs> yeah, things that's are that's very that's bare right. bones. On the on the on the fly demonstrations tend to <laughs> tend to go that direction. Yeah. Um, well, sweet. I know. I know. Uh, Nick. Nick Frosty has got to has got to get to something. So we're gonna have to wrap this up. But Nicholas, thank you so much for chatting with us. I would love to do this again if uh, if you're happy to jump on some other time and and chat some more. Pleasure. I feel like yeah. you have a lot to share. Um, for sure. And you guys Too are building much. a lot of really back. cool stuff. So <laughs> I, you know, we we'd love to chat more. Too much. Really too much. You got yeah. any last minute plugs? Nicholas, before you know anything you want to shill before we before we hop off. Actually, not much. I think on behalf of the team, just stand by for the next version of the Explorer. It's going to be crazy. Sick. But I think um, aside from that, not really. I think it's just more focus on my 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 hosts because I think I think both of you guys are extremely fantastic and important people in the space, and <laughs> I've really asked. A provocative question to James. I need to do the same for Nick. So Ooh, Nick, what's up and coming on your own personal work, like like your own professional work on the Ooh. foundation side? What's what's Ooh. up and coming? What's big? Oh my goodness, uh, a lot of big things. Uh, I'll go with the easy one that I can actually talk about publicly. Um, uh, Breakpoint. I'm wearing my Breakpoint sweater. This episode is going to go live just before Breakpoint. <laughs> 
which I'll do a shameless plug for, for Salon FM as well. Like this episode should be live on like mid October. Uh, so check oh. out Salon FM and, and expl- explore the new Salon FM. Hopefully it's uh, it's out by then. Uh, but Breakpoint's going to be amazing. I've, I've seen the speaker list and the, the talks that are going to be going on at Breakpoint. Like I'm so sad that I'm not going and it's, I'm very no jealous. Way. Yeah. Yeah, but Breakpoint's going to be fun. I'm going to be sitting at home watching it remotely, though. Don't Why? Worry. Nah, it just doesn't, doesn't line up with the, li- with the life schedule. No, James. <laughs> also a no for me. <laughs> maybe, maybe James I just, and I will I do just, like some live I, episodes. I just tweeted about this the other day. I've, live I've, commentary. I've, I've, got three, I've got three kids whose favorite holiday is Halloween. If I, if I left for Halloween, that would be like... I mean, I, I don't know, like for some people that'd be like leaving on Christmas or, or like, you know, oh, whatever boy. people's favorite holidays are. So uh, the fact that it falls over Halloween is is a bit of a bummer for me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. but, but quick but, question, so, though. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about Nick, but just want to confirm, are kids the most craziest, most rewarding thing you've gotten in your life? absolutely <laughs> yes uh, absolutely it is l- look the thing i always tell people is is like kids uh the the day-to-day of hanging with kids is sometimes really challenging but there is absolutely no doubt that i would do it all over again in a heartbeat right yeah, like same like it is it is incredibly rewarding I don't even know why. I, like, there's something like deep and instinctive <laughs> about it. I, I don't know that I could fully explain it, but uh, incredibly rewarding. I I love being a dad. Wow, can't wait. <laughs> on, on, on that note, there's the episode. James loves being a dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's the final shit. That's the final shill. Have kids. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, right. Not financial advice. <laughs> <laughs> not fun. Absolutely not. It's it's terrible financial advice. Um, but you know, right, well, it, is, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Thanks again, Nick, for joining us on this episode. Thanks, guys. Really looking <laughs> forward to to actually experiencing the new Sauna FM. It's going to be great. I and, want a new uh, podcast right. next week to to uh, to the listeners. Sure. We'll, uh, we'll see you all next time. See you guys. Bye. See you guys. Bye.